So here we are uh, with yet more breaking news out of Boston after the aftermath of the bombing there. Classmates, and roommates, friends. Roommates covering up the crime, it sounds like. Um, strange turn of events. And uh, we have two movies uh, that we're going to talk about uh, coming out that have some connection to terrorism um, in their different ways. One is a fairly serious film, The Reluctant Fundamentalist, a new film by uh, Mira, Mira Nair. Mira Nair, thank you. And, um, and then, of course... Iron Man 3 with Robert Downey Jr. Also very serious. Who would have, look at terrorism. Who would have known? Not, not, to, uh, not to make light of what has happened in Boston, but, but these two films do touch on terrorism. And maybe we can talk a little bit about how they handle it, uh, whether it's uh, responsible or irresponsible. Yeah, and I, I think it's just very interesting timing and in how do the studios handle this. I actually thought about are the studios upset that this Boston – Stuff had to happen it's, right now. It's all—it's always a problem. It's always a problem for studios. You—you can't—you can't control these things. You just can't. No. So first, let's uh, let's let's dive in. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday, and I'm Kristen Meinzer, producer for The Takeaway, and this is Movie Day. Okay, so um, let's get the let's get the the less fun, maybe more serious film out of the way first. Uh, this is the reluctant fundamentalist. I'm sorry if my reaction to the attacks has offended you, Bobby. I hope you see that I'm not celebrating at the death of three thousand innocents, just as you would not celebrate the death of a hundred thousand in Baghdad or Kabul, for that matter. And you ask me why they're harassing your family. You believe in violence as a tool for social change. Now, I have not read. This is based on a novel. Which, yes. Which I have not read. Uh, but I, uh, what's his name? Moshin Hamid? I think that. Oh, that's right. Wow. Am I pronouncing that wrong? Uh, could be. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, listeners. I but do this all the time. <laughs> at least you knew it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he co-wrote uh, the screenplay, or at least the story. Mm-hmm. Um, he's credited with the story. So, um, so this is a story about a... Uh, a young man um, in uh, – he's Pakistani. He comes to America um, and decides to essentially readopt, you know, re- adopt America as his home. Um, he's a Princeton graduate. Um, he's a rising star on Wall Street. He's a mover and shaker. He hires and fires people. Hires and fires people. <laughs> he's a creative thinker. Um, he's very creative about the way he hires and fires people. And he, uh, you know, he, he does the whole nine yards. He even gets himself a trust fund artist girlfriend uh, in New York. So really, that's kind of the Wall Street American dream, if you ask me. Uh, his name, interestingly enough, I'll spell it C-H-A-N-G-E-Z, which his, his boss, Kiefer Sutherland, uh, keeps pronouncing as changes, but in fact it's not. It's it's Chungez. Yes. But uh, but of course, changes is what he does. So mm, Rafer, look at you old. noticing the symbolism all there. Symboly stuff. Yeah, you like nice. that? Nice. Well um, done, Rafer. Thank you. English degree. <laughs> so, uh, but it seems you know it seems important. No, I'm everyone... serious. Like I, I would give you a high five right now if Thanks. I could reach you. I Thanks can't reach that. you over there at that other mic. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what happens, of course, uh, 
is September 11th, and it affects uh, Chungez in uh, very different ways than most of us. He's Pakistani. Suddenly, uh, people are not being so cool to him. He's being uh, taken aside at the airport and strip searched and worse. Uh, Cops are arresting him for pretty much no reason. Um, His girlfriend does a kind of an art exhibit about him that he Mm. finds deeply offensive. As would anybody. As would anybody, I think. Uh, And slowly but slowly... Slowly but surely, he uh, – slowly but slowly is something my grandfather used to always say as a oh, joke. Oh, really? Yeah, I used to always say that slowly but slowly. I love your grandpa. Yeah. Uh, OK. So that's where that came from. Sorry. Uh, but slowly but surely, he begins to feel the tug towards Pakistan, um, yeah. I think both in personal ways and also maybe in political ways. And the question, the thread in this film is, is he a terrorist? Uh, Liev Schreiber uh, plays a journalist who comes to interview him uh, asking, basically trying to find out, did this guy have something to do with a terrorist kidnapping just recently? So, Kristen, what did you think of this film, especially not just in the wake of 9-11, which in some ways these days almost seems like ancient history? And Yeah, I was just realizing the other day, I feel like a little kid when I look back on those days of 9-11. Yeah. I'm like, that was more than a decade ago. I know, I know. It was like fresh out of college. Yeah, the, you, 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 there are these scenes of, of people kind of eyeing him and being suspicious of his beard. He, you know, he, grow, he starts to grow at his beard, probably the wrong moment to do that, but, uh, I mean, <laughs> but he does a, it. Yeah, it's very much a story of you, – you gave a great summary, first of all, Rafer. That's fantastic Thanks. and much better than I would have done. But okay. <laughs> I, I saw it as very much a story of – you are completely reframed by something you have nothing to do with. Right. You are initially framed as the ultimate Horatio Elger story by our society. Right. And suddenly overnight you're reframed as potential enemy and it had nothing to do with you. Yeah. And when you have no choice in what your identity is and you become us or you become other after being us. Yeah. Yes. How does one cope with that and what decisions do you make and are those decisions – going to lead people to blame you further, like growing the beard, yeah. you know, or are your decisions really your own still? They aren't, though, really. Yeah. 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 And I think the movie does a really good job personally. I thought they did a good job of exploring those gray areas where really banal decisions you make every day in your life somehow become very politicized very quickly. Yeah. Little little jokes, little asides. Uh, yeah. The, the, the facial hair is almost – even though it's, <laughs> it's not really overplayed in the movie. I don't want to say that. But it, it in some ways is kind of like the pivotal moment um, in the film. Uh, you know, he grows this out and, and people keep telling him not to. You know, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. And he says, it reminds me where I'm from. And he has that black coworker who says, well, jerk chicken reminds me of where I'm from, but I don't smear it all over my face, um, which I thought was a, a very funny line. Um, I, I want to say I think uh, Riz, Riz Ahmed, the actor who plays Changez, I think is fantastic in this movie. I thought he was so good at being a little – he's a little arrogant. You know, He's the smartest guy in the room. He's a little flip, um, a little self-satisfied. Uh, he's but like a Wall Street jerk. He's in a, a lot to- of ways. He's, a to- he's exactly what you think of when you think of some kind of young Wall Street, you know, hedge fund snot nose, and he's really good at it. But why should these little personal quirks, these little, you know, flaws, um, why should these, you know, these should these should not be you know cause to villainize him? Um, 
but they help kind of, you know, he, it helps from making him be just, oh, I'm just innocent, really kind-hearted, you know, eager to please Pakistani immigrant guy. You know, it makes him seem more like a real person. Yeah. Like, hey, I came here from this from this poor country to make something of myself, and you know, I've got the I've got the wherewithal and the and the arrogance and the ambition to do it. Um, and I like that. I like that about him. And I yeah. thought he was really good. At walking that line from being kind of a jerk and but also being basically a likable dude. Yeah. You know what the movie actually reminded me of? And this is probably going to sound outlandish to you, Rafer, but hmm. it reminded me a little bit of The Usual Suspects because there oh. is a, there's a lot of questioning going on of who yeah. is this guy? Is yeah. he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Right, right. What is he? Are you going to figure it out? Are you going to end the movie where you're walking away and – just there it is in the end, snap, or are you going to see that it's much more gray than that? And it reminded me a lot of the usual suspects in that way of like it's interesting. The, the questioner and the guy being questioned. And um, and and I'm sure that's not what Mia and I are planned at all Probably when she put not. this together. But um, I think what she planned much more on was those complicated gray areas, how otherness is defined and so on. But um, it really, to me, almost started to feel like a suspense movie. Well, I think that's to me, and here we go. Oh no, this is, is why. Oh, the problem. Go ahead. Go ahead. The problem with the movie: you have essentially two movies in one. Um, you have this pretty keenly observed, and I thought fairly compelling drama, just about a guy, the narrative arc of a guy's life changing uh, in a in a foreign land, America, um, and becoming, as you were saying, this other thing. And then on top of that intercut with that to essentially to keep you interested is this thriller that I found pretty unconvincing. A mm. lot of CIA, SWAT team, hokiness, cell phone, rigmarole, you know, we're going in, we're going in hot. No, I give me more time. You can't come in. I'm making progress. I'm going to keep questioning him. Wow, this sounds like an exciting movie you're it describing. It does sound like an exciting movie. <laughs> and I think, that, I think that's what they were going for. And to me, it, it didn't work partly because that storyline seems so thin and kind of amateurishly – uh, it doesn't doesn't feel like it was written by someone who has who knows anything about the CIA, um, and it it you know it just pads out the running time of this film so long. It's pretty long that I got. It's yeah. not even that long. It's just a little over two hours, but I got pretty bored, and um, it was kind of a fatal flaw in the movie for me. I think I gave it two out of four stars ultimately, even though I think the actor is really great. Kate Hudson, who plays the trust fund girlfriend, it's awful. I, just oh. couldn't stand her at all. I was going to say Ugh. the exact opposite. I thought she was pretty good. Insufferable and painful. Every time she's on screen, I just want to scratch my eyes out. Or hers, preferably. Or hers, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no. I, I, I thought she was the weak link in the movie. Oh. Yeah, I thought Kiefer Sutherland was great. He's very good. He's so enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I, 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 and, and But I just – I have to agree with you that it, it feels a little bit boring. Yeah. I felt – like it was a lot longer than two hours, but you say it's only a little bit more nope. than two hours, huh? Nope. To me, it felt like two and a half hours. I think that's telling. <laughs> and um, I, and I, I would say what I liked best was this whole character study, but um, it didn't, yeah, it, it didn't always hold my interest. I'll put it that way. Would um, you say good date, bad date? Um, oh, God, I'm about to say something that uh, – is is going to get me into trouble probably, but if you want to make out during a terrorist movie, <laughs> there are lots of long spells in this movie. You can just go to the back of the theater and make out for a while, and you're not going to miss anything. And then you can go back and watch the movie for a while, and then go to the back seat and make out a little bit for a little longer. A strange recommendation. 
Kristen, <laughs> I am going to say not not ultimately a good date, though I wished it were, and there are really good things about it. I, I just I can't wholeheartedly recommend that yeah. that movie. I'm going to say it's a fine date. Okay. Not not a great date. It's a fine date, and and the reason I think I'm giving it a little bit more props than you. Because I just thought the lead actor was so good. Yeah. No, he's great. He was so, so, so good. Um, So, yeah. That's how I feel about that. All right. Well, let's let's do a 180. Let's hang a Yui and talk about Iron Man 3. So why don't you lift up that face mask and give me a kiss? Pew, bonk, beep, beep. Huh. Yep. Damn it. No can do. You want to just kiss it on the... Uh, facial slit. Well, why don't I run down to the garage and see if I can't find a crowbar to jimmy that thing open? Crowbar, yeah. Oh, listen to the flirtation. Pepper pots. A little bit of a little bit of Tony Stark pepper pots action there. Oh, uh-huh. we always love that, don't we? I just like to say pepper pots. Yeah, I know. It's well, a it's fun a, name. It's say. a pretty great name. It's a it's one of the it's one of the best names for the uh, for the superhero love interest for yeah. sure, right? Yeah, it's excellent. So, Kristen, do you want to attempt a summary of yeah. Iron Man three? Oh, yeah, all right, sure. Let's do it. I know wow. I always forced you to do the summaries. I know it's like the most boring, awful part, and I always make you do it. But I'll totally do this. Go so, for it. The movie opens with a flashback to about fifteen years ago. Tony Stark, a.k.a. Robert Downey Jr., a.k.a. Iron Man, is at the height of his roguishness. He's not afraid to lie to women to get into their pants, to diss men because he thinks they're not cool enough, to tell lies, to throw his money around in a really ridiculous manner. He's really Tony Stark at his very worst and some might say his best, depending on who you are. So it opens with that. We're seeing him diss a guy who... We can kind of tell through foreshadowing is probably going to come back and haunt him later. Yes. Um, Using a woman for a one-night stand, who we can tell through foreshadowing is going to come back and haunt him later. Of course, they both do. Then we we, we fast forward then to the present day. And Tony Stark is now a little bit more mature. He Mm -hmm. and Pepper Potts are in a very serious monogamous relationship. They're playing house. She's taken over most of the administrative uh, business at his company. That's right. He is spending most of his time in the basement tinkering, making Iron Man or Iron Men. Iron Men. (laughs) Iron Men. Lots and lots of Iron Men in the basement. Yep. And then suddenly America is haunted by some terrorist activity. A bad guy named Mandarin. That's right. Who seems intent on taking down the president of the United States of America. Mandarin is played by the great Ben Kingsley. Yes. I should also mention um, Pepper Potts is played by Gwyneth Paltrow. Right. And like I said, some people from his past are connected to it in some way, we find out. That's right. Meanwhile, oh, I have to say one other thing. While all this is going on, Tony Stark, he seems to be suffering from some sort of post-traumatic stress disorder, some anxiety, and uh, Pepper Potts is uh, having to put up with him with all of these Iron Men and dealing with that in their relationship. <laughs> so many Iron Men. That's right, a lot of Iron Men. There are Iron Men, Iron men everywhere. Swirling around <laughs> in, in this. Yes, he has insomnia and uh, he gets panic attacks. Yes, That's right. Yes. Um, whenever he's reminded of... He keeps saying, um, you know, things uh, things have never been things haven't been the same since New York. I can't sleep, um, and whenever I hear that, I I always think nine eleven. Yes, I, I, I think most of us probably do. But of course, what he's talking about is not nine eleven, but the giant wormhole that opened up in New York that he and the Avengers had to battle all the aliens. Is that inside. what he's talking about? Yes, I was Kristen. so mad. Okay, you know what? 
I'm watching the movie. Every time he has a panic attack, anytime he refers to New York, anytime he sees a child, anytime he starts like having a meltdown, I, I'm like, what is he talking about? Was this from one of the other Iron Man movies? Was this from the Avengers? This really bugged me. Interesting. Okay. It really well, there's... bugged me because I believe movies should be able to stand on their own merits. I shouldn't have to think long and hard about a movie that came out two years ago to figure out what's going on in this movie. Ah. And not only did it confuse me about why does he keep having meltdowns and is this September 11th, but it also bugged me because sometimes then basic things in the current story of this Iron Man, whenever I'd get confused, I'd think, oh, is that referring to back to something else in another movie too. Yeah. And yeah. then I'd realize, oh no, I'm overly complicating things. This is pretty straightforward, but I keep yes. thinking they're referring to other movies when they're not referring to other movies. Well, so. there are probably, I mean, it's Iron Man and this is part of the Marvel universe and there are probably, you know, 8 million comic book and superhero jokes and references that I'm that I'm not getting. Um, but what they were referring to was the Avengers. There's a little kid named Harley that, you know, Iron Man meets on his journey uh, they become a kind of a you know a buddy team, and uh, Harley is a you know little little kid played by Ty Simpkins, and he says, "What what about the Avengers? What about that giant wormhole? Are the aliens going to come back?" And he keeps peppering Tony with questions. Remember that? So yes, that and, was, and I'm like, I don't. What the hell is this kid you don't talking know, yeah, about? You don't know what That's the wormhole what I was means. Thinking. Okay. I'm like, ugh, just make another Iron Man. There was no wormhole on September 11th. <laughs> Um, when I mean, what what you know? It's interesting to me in some ways how how blithely, how breezily this film presents uh, the idea of a terrorist, uh, and what we're seeing are are you know terrorist demands and in particular execution videos. Oh yeah, he breaks right into all of our media systems. You turn right. on the TV, you could be watching, you know, Lydia's Italian Kitchen, and suddenly there is Mandarin. <laughs> There's who's the Mandarin. Who's got the president there? Or who's got the VP there? Who v- has, he's got a he's got an oil executive. He's there. got somebody there, and he's going to shoot him right, right there on TV. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and There's it, a lot of that. Yeah, and so it's you know it's cl- and they can't find him. They don't know where he is. They don't know where these videos are coming from. It's clearly it's clearly an uh, an Osama bin Laden uh, analog, um, and yet I have to say I wasn't that. Um, it didn't strike me as insensitive or uh, crass uh, to do that. Did I mean? Did you feel that that was a, a no? It was too cartoonish to be right, upsetting. Right. I, I mean, it really just felt like from start to end a big cartoon. Yeah, and I mean that in a good way. Yeah. Okay. I I, right. I, I, I want to make something clear. Even though I was really confused by all these <laughs> references to other movies that I've never. I've seen but don't remember at all. Yes, okay. (laughs) Even though it's making references to all that stuff, I have to say that I really liked the movie for the most part. Uh Uh-huh, okay. I liked the cartoonishness. I thought its treatment of terrorism was so cartoonish it was fine. Uh I think that Tony Stark is better in this movie than he's ever been. Oh, really? Oh, yes. I love Tony Stark from beginning to end in this movie. He was roguish. He was playful. He has those hilarious one-liners, the way he talks to women, the way he talks to children. Yes. Frequently with hilarious disdain. Yes. And he is just the ultimate roguish, rascally, just devil may care. I want, you know what? I I like that Tony Stark. I want to hang out with him. I want to get drunk with him. I want to go to the garage with him and make robots out of, I don't know, power saws. He's just like everything you really want Tony Stark to be in this movie, except for those, you know, those panic attacks. Except for the panic attacks. Well, that's, I think that's, that's supposed, I think that's two things. That's supposed to A, give him a a, a little, a little uh, whiff of vulnerability and B, 
I think it's just hip and fashionable in Hollywood now to, to at least pretend um, that you're dark if you're a superhero. Um, everything's got to be dark, 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 dark. I've got, I can't sleep. I'm having nightmares. Superman, you know, the new Superman, I'm, you know, he's alienated. He's conflicted. You know, Thor, the dark world. Uh, Star Trek, Into Darkness, right? Transformers, Dark of the Moon. Uh, the new Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Like No! Oh, yeah, yeah. Dark. I love the first Captain America. Everything, it's all got to be dark. Because the, the freaking Dark Knight. The Dark Knight Aww. made it hip to be angsty. So now Aww. everybody's got to be angsty. But Iron Man is not angsty. It's, you know, it's, that's, just a, that's, a, that's a sop to the marketer so they can pretend like it's, like it's angsty. No. It's, it's just, Iron Man's devil may care. Yeah, it's fun. It's flip. It's breezy. I thought... Um, Shane Black is the director. He, Shane Black wrote Lethal Weapon. And so you do have a couple of buddy comedy bits here. You've got one with Tony Stark and the kid. You've got another one with Tony Stark and um, Colonel Rhodes, played by Don Cheadle. They get a little bit of, you know, Danny Glover, uh, uh, oh, Mel, yeah, yeah. Mel Gibson action. Um, I think Shane Black does a really good job with this movie. He keeps it funny. He keeps it fast. Um, there's a couple of really good set pieces. The, uh, when, when the president's – I shouldn't spoil too much – there's a plane that kind of uh, has some problems, and some of the crew oh, kind of aren't that was, in the plane anymore. That was my favorite scene it's, in the movie. It's the central it's one of the set best, piece. It's yeah. one of the best action sequences I've ever seen. It's a lot of fun. It's so fun that I actually applauded when it was done. Oh, did you? Yes. I was one of the people laughing and applauding. Like, you're laughing because it's so ridiculous, oh, so but it you're worked, applauding because it it's, it's magic so on you. That totally worked. And I'm glad. Yeah, and I was, I was about to tell more about how that rescue sequence worked. But I'm not going to ruin it. I mean, the scene's been leaked all over the internet. It's yeah. everywhere on the internet. So yeah. a lot of listeners have probably already seen it. But that is such a fantastic scene. The reason it works is because it has imagination. It's a, it's a creatively it's a, it's an inventive creative scene, uh, yeah. which I think you just don't see a lot in superhero movies yeah. anymore. You get a it's lot. So you get clever. a lot of the you know the guys being slammed into walls and the walls crumble down into rubble and this that and back and forth and lasers and blah blah. But you don't see any good sort of you know ha- hands on real kind of action thrills anymore. And I thought that was I thought that was good. So yeah, ultimately to me, totally good date. Really, I totally it, good. I gave it two and a half out of four. I think that's a down the middle. You can go to this, have a great time. It, you know, should you like? Do you got to rush out and see? Oh, listen, you've got to see Iron Man <laughs> three. No, no, you don't have to see it. But I mean, you know, for a popcorn movie, summer entertainment, first we you know, first weekend in May, totally fine, fun, splashy, uh, and better than the last one. I all would right. say. I would say it's the best of all three. I would say hands down, it's the best of all three. It's the best Tony Stark. No, I had a lot come of fun. On. Yes, better yes. than the original Iron Man. Yeah. Wow. It's by far the best of the trilogy. I also like Pepper gets to be a little fierce in this movie, which she yeah. doesn't get to be in the other movies. A little sports bra action. Oh, Rafe, don't give it all I'm away. Just saying, well, you know, Gwyn- you know, Gwyneth Paltrow just got nominated, uh, nominated, voted the uh, most uh, beautiful woman. Right, right. Yeah, by, by people's people. most beautiful. Right, and so you know, <laughs> people was you know, as my wife was pointing out, patting itself on the back, you know, gratuitously saying how how open minded it was. Look, we chose someone to, over 40, over 40 who just oh happens to be like five nine blonde and skinny. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And I kept thinking like, uh-huh, well, and there are those abs. There are those Gwyneth Paltrow abs right here, front and center in this movie. They're per- right there. A perfect tie-in for the yeah. People magazine. Yes, they're right there. So, you know what? I, I, I think it's nice to see Gwyneth Paltrow being a little fierce in this movie. I, think, I do. I agree. I think Tony Stark is fabulous in this movie. Okay. Uh, and the only... Other criticism I'm going to say, other than that, you know, confusion about 
constant mentioning these other movies. Yes. Um, the only other criticism I have, I think most listeners are going to actually love this, which is the long, drawn-out finale where I feel like oh. something's happened in all of these uh, superhero movies lately where the final fight sequence – why can't it just be over in five minutes? Why does it have to be? <laughs> why does it have to be like twenty-five minutes of like really? This fight sequence has been going on for a good twenty-five to forty percent of this more, movie. Is more, 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 Chris, and that's why you got to give them more. <laughs> the final fight sequence does not need to be that long. It just gets to the point where it's like, if you do defeat this bad guy, what's the one thing you did that the lasers, the bombs, the guns, the knives, all those other things didn't do? I throw you off a few buildings. I right. pummel you with this. None of that works. It's just. I I don't need the final fight sequences to be that long. Uh, I'd, rather, right. I'd rather just have more roguish Tony Stark yeah, being yeah. roguish and uh, a little bit less of that other stuff. I don't need all that stuff. Well, that didn't bother me. Like I say, you know, I me perfectly fine date. All right. Well, I thought it was a pretty good date. I can't okay. believe we're in so much agreement this week. This is crazy. You liked Iron Man 3 more than I did. That's I can't believe it either. Kind of bizarre. I can't believe. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. Wow. So... Wow. All right, so let's uh, let's wrap up with with trivia. Um, we did get someone who called in with the correct answer to last week's trivia. We were asking uh, because we were talking about pain and gain and bodybuilding. Um, we asked the question, "What was the first?" I'll qualify it here just to make sure. What was the first major studio Hollywood film, major drama, to um, address the issue of steroid abuse and roid rage? And here's the answer. Hey guys, it's Ken in New Jersey, and I'm calling about your roid rage question for trivia. Not a film that I saw, and not one I would have gotten, but that clip, yeah, you just got to know that that's James Mason. So that's what led me to answer that it is the film Bigger Than Life, which was um, directed by Nick Ray. And James Mason um, also co-wrote and produced the film I see online. And it's about a school teacher who gets addicted to cortisone, of all things. Thanks for the questions. All correct. Uh, wow, yes. Ken. Great job, Ken. A movie, yes, weirdly enough, about cortisone, of all things, that drives James Mason into becoming a hyper-patriarchal, enraged sort of... <laughs> Poor male. Uh, all... He's going to yell at his son. Oh, my He's going to be really mad at waitresses. Oh, that's 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 the least of it. If you have not seen this movie, I highly, highly oh, recommend it. Oh, what else it. does he do? Oh, Kristen, it's too much. It's too much. Really? Yeah, it's directed by the by the, by the the always out there Nicholas Ray, uh, one of my favorite directors. It is a fantastic movie. It's on Criterion. The Criterion Collection has it. Track it down. It's really worth seeing. It will freak you out. Really? It just looks so campy and silly. Uh, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it will it'll get it'll get your hackles up. It's Man. good. Yeah, it's really oh, good. I'll never use cortisone again. No. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for this week's trivia question, in honor of Ben Kingsley, who plays Mandarin, the terrorist. Is it a strangely almost a Walter Cronkite accent? <laughs> He's got a very interesting accent in this. So we know that Ben Kingsley's played a wide range of roles with a wide range of accents. We're gonna play a clip of him with a somewhat unusual accent. Friday, the Grosvenor, you'll be there. I won't. You will, I told Ted you're doing it. Don't you show me up. No, I won't be there. You will, you missed the Roundtree. No, Don. Yes, Roundtree. No. Yes, Grosvenor. No, Don. Friday. I won't be there. You will. No, Don. Yes, 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 yes. Tell us the name of the movie. If you know the answer, call us at 5717movies. Or log on to Facebook.com slash Movie Date Podcast.